I'm delighted to welcome to the show today Tony from Tiger Community Enterprises in Nottingham, England. So welcome, Tony. Hello. Thank you for having me. Most welcome. And you do something um, a bit different, don't you? You run a, well, I can see from the background there, obviously listeners won't be uh, able to see this, but I can see that you're in a kind of a workshop type of setting there. Yes, I'm down in the dungeon at the moment um, of our textiles project, um, which is where we normally live when COVID isn't upon us. Um, things have been a, a wee bit different this year for us. Um, turned out in a positive way. Um, we're, we're a lot bigger and supporting a lot more people and volunteers now than we were in March um, as a response to COVID. Okay, tell us about Tiger Community Enterprises. What's, what, what does it stand for? How did it get set up? Um, we celebrated our seventh birthday this year. Um, it was set up initially to um, support enterprise, support individuals and organisations to grow, to sort of build confidence in what they were doing. Um, and we have sort of grown and sort of changed along the way a little bit um, in that we started out doing community street markets um, very focused on um, small local businesses and local projects and making sure that they had a showcase opportunity. Um, and over the years, um, we have set up other projects, but at the heart of all of them is about helping people to help themselves, building skills, building confidence, and then um, in turn enriching lives. So our textiles project which tiger green textiles um is our main project at the moment um we do normally run a street food stall um nottingham under the nottingham street banner um but obviously we would normally have started out in march with that and with covid hitting everything got cancelled this year. So we put our focus into the textiles project, um, supporting um, people remotely, um, because that project is about bringing people together and sharing um, sewing and crafting skills. Um, so we looked at initially at ways that we could do that remotely um, through sort of video um, tutorials and regular phone calls and things like that um, and I happened to see that there was a big shout out for scrubs to be made for the front line so I put my hand up and said look you know I could sew scrubs for you um, however I run this community project and we have volunteers um, can we help in a bigger way? I've got access to space. We could do some bulk cutting or, or um, bulk making for you. Um, and the organisers came back and said, oh, well, we've had a really big order for um, headbands. 
um, because they were making accessories as well. So they would make headbands with buttons so that the masks could attach, so that all of the people weren't getting really sore ears from wearing surgical masks. Um, so we said, yeah, yeah, we can do 1,500 headbands. <laughs> and then sort of I went into a slight state of panic thinking, have we even got enough fabric to make that? Um, so I put a shout out to Tiger Contacts. So, you know, people we knew, people who were being furloughed, um, people who come to our classes and our workshops and said, look, this is what we're doing does anybody want to help? And we had a lot of our contacts, even some of the small businesses we'd worked with saying, well, I can't go out and run my business at the moment. I'll come down and do some volunteering with you. Um, so we spoke to the people who um, managed the space upstairs at Carrington Street, the urban room, which is a community space. Um, they had completely shut down whilst COVID was um, rife. So they said, yeah, that would be a really great use of the space. So we got, um, I think initially about half a dozen um, volunteers in to work in the space because we've got loads of space to socially distance. And then we had others that were working from home that we'd drop off and pick up to. So we'd just come into the end of the big order and we're, um, Nottingham for the Love of Scrubs was about five weeks in at that point. And they'd gone from zero to 1,700 um, members of the group on Facebook. It was being run by three volunteers from their front rooms and they were just completely overwhelmed so they'd said to us hey would would you be a central hub and can we move everything in and out through you because you've got the space um so we said yeah yeah no problem thinking a few weeks you know when everything would be back to normal this was um early may um so now we're just tipping into december requests are still coming through <laughs> um we're not in the complete chaos that we were initially when we took over i mean with literally thousands of laundry bags stacked up in the window and um you know ten thousand meters of fabric that were donated and thinking we'll never get through this and a month later, it's all gone and we're scrabbling for more fabric. Uh, you know, it's just been crazy. Um, so we took over managing the group, which means we've been managing hubs all around Nottinghamshire, not just city. Um, so there's there have been we've got hub leaders who then um, coordinate the sewers in their areas. So a lot of our sewers are um, shielding um, or at least isolating or fur furloughed. Um, and yeah, it's just been amazing. Um, you know, lots of people doing a little and we've just hit 30,000 makes um, that we've made for the front line. Um, so that includes scrubs, accessories and also in June we started face masks as well 
um, which we give to vulnerable groups and we do give out in the community. So, yeah, it's it sort of from a tiger perspective, it has actually been really positive because we've grown so much bigger than we were initially. I mean, prior to COVID, I would run an activity cafe and um, a couple of workshops a, a week at most. Um, at the moment, we do three full days um, here. I do have a part-time job two days as well, and weekends are usually spent running around, um, dropping off and picking up at various places. So, so yeah, that's where we're at so far, Elaine. Wow. <laughs> It's amazing, I've got isn't a it? Smile you... on my face. <laughs> yeah, that's and you need a sense of humour. You need to be extremely resilient in times like this. And uh, I take my hat off to you to what you're doing. So you're keeping a part-time job down as well as all this volunteering and coordinating yeah. as well. Yeah, and and that in itself is quite a stressful job because I um I manage a team. <laughs> So it's not as though I, oh, you know, I could switch off on on my days that I'm not here. I'm, yeah, I am just as full on on those two days. So, yeah, it, I'm looking forward to a bit of a break at Christmas. Is the thing. <laughs> good luck. Good luck for that wish. Goodness me. Well, um, the, the 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 projects um, that you've successfully managed to pull together are all manned by volunteers. Then. Yeah, um, to be fair, um, the main project for the last year or two, because we haven't run Nottingham Street, which is our street market, for about two years, I think now. And that's because we like to run it um, city centre, um, where it's got natural footfall. And some years the council likes us and other years they don't. So <laughs> it's a very hit and miss thing as to whether they will embrace what we're doing and say, yeah, you can have the space or um, no, you know, the councillors don't think you're corporate enough. Um, and it's like, no, we never will be because we're a community market. <laughs> um, I used to run a charity. Um, it started in Wiltshire and then became nationwide. But um, it's very um, difficult, isn't it, when you're dealing with uh, government entities um, and people who don't appreciate what community groups do. It's, it's quite remarkable to me that the blinkered way that a lot of people go around. And yet, if it wasn't for organisations like yourself, a lot of things in the community wouldn't happen. Simple as that. No, no. I mean... It's crazy. And we, we um, pr again, prior to COVID, we were looking at how we could get enough funding to properly run um, a work skills um, project again, because over the years, we've done a couple of um, uh, sort of projects where we work with young people and the unemployed. Um, so from day one, I've always wanted the projects we run to be about giving opportunities so oh we're going to run the street market okay let's get some volunteers in and they can get some work experience on their cv and how can we attract people mm -hmm. um so we initially did a lot with um nottingham college or ncn as it was at that point 
the problem is you just get a flow when you've got dozens of um, students come in and getting involved with the events that we were running and various things and then gets to the end of a uh, um, school year and they go and make all your contacts redundant and have a reshuffle. So then you've got to start again and nobody knows what you've been doing. And so, so that got a little bit tedious by the second and um, third time we were trying to do, um, well, we called them learner initiatives uh, on the first one and work skills on the second. Um, so we were looking at, you know, a way where we could do that again with a very focused um, sort of, I want to say agenda, but, you know, a, a sort of plan of um, really looking at transferable skills, working with the young people, giving them some work experience with us so that when they go back out, um, they've got a lot stronger um, CV. Um and then everything stopped for COVID, obviously. Um, but then, obviously, the government started talking about the Kickstarter programme. Um, and through this year, we've fallen out of most of the support from the government. Um, you know, we don't pay business rates, so we didn't get any of the business support. Um, although I get paid on a self-employed basis when there's money obviously I'm not employed so I couldn't be put on furlough um, because I have a part-time job and my earnings from this are very erratic I also couldn't claim as a self-employed person either um, so we looked at this kickstart and I said oh you know we need to take a few young people on under this you know let's at least get some money from somewhere um, I must say, since then, we have had some net funding and national lottery funding. So wages are covered at the moment. Um, but then you look at it and you see it's aimed at larger businesses because you've got to employ 30 people. Um, so I was thinking, could we partner up with some people? I don't think, you know, we can do this. And then one of our volunteers who's a counsellor, um, just said, Tony, just do it. Do it because you'll find a way. Um, you'll find space for the 30. You'll find ways of doing it. And you have the space at the moment. And if this space gets taken back, which it will at some point, just get some other premises and sort of change my mind shift on it. So we have decided to bite the bullet and ride the wave of what we're doing at the moment um, because we have all these people making. So as we move away from scrubs, there are lots of other things that need making in the community. Um, so why would we let all these people just disappear? Let's keep them making. Um, so, you know, we will look at things for... Um, premature babies maybe can some of our knitters be making them outfits can we make blankets um you know we we will take requests in that will be a bit more eclectic than our current requests for either scrubs or masks um and then another thing that i had been working on prior to covid was um reusable sanitary wear 
Um, it had started as requests from the ladies that were coming to my um, classes. So I had started to run classes, do things um, around it and said, yeah, we want to start our range, but we want to be able to give um, back as well to the community. And at the time I was thinking, I can't do that unless I've got help with the making. And now I have all these volunteers that can help with the making. So it, it means that that project is now potentially viable. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to soft launch on, on the sanitary wear from a sales perspective. And then as we go into January um, with some of the young people coming on board, we will then start to um, look at doing workshops with disadvantaged groups. So we will both give away um, supplies, but also teach um, people to make their own. So they're completely sustainable. Um, so, so yeah, lots, lots coming up if we can pull it all off. <laughs> and a very resourceful, enterprising, creative lady, Tony. So, um, uh, what's the age range of the people um, in the organisation? Um, we, I, I like to say, our youngest volunteer, as was making um things for the front line um was 15 um she had been coming to some of our community workshops to learn to sew um so i sort of dropped her in it remotely by saying okay have a go at these um you know sending lots of videos of how to um sending samples and things so i'd probably say sophia is that is our youngest although she's not been doing so much since she's been back at school um and our oldest so that goes right through to ladies in their 80s and 90s you know wow. there are some fabulous seamstresses out there who make beautiful scrubs and masks and things you know there's this wealth of um, knowledge and that's what i don't want to lose either mm -hmm. um because, uh, you know, the, the anecdotal feedback that we get back from a lot of our people out in the wild is, say out in the wild, it sounds really bad, but it's just we have the out in the wilds people and then we have the in-house people. Um, so, yeah, our, our sort of um, people out in the wilds, they, this is their lifeline for a lot of them. Um, not only has it meant that they weren't isolated and they felt part of a team, um, add that to the fact that they are doing something positive to support the front line um, is a really powerful thing, you know. Um, and some have had to go back to work and some, you know, feel they've done their bit because we've supported the front line and they're not so bothered about carrying on because life's taken over. But there's still a core of um, people out there that actually we get what you're doing and we want to continue, you know, helping Tiger as we move forward. So, um, yeah, hopefully next year 
it will all start to come together and we'll move a bit away from scrubs and we'll move um, into unfortunately period poverty and, and dealing with issues like that. Um, you, you, it's one of those things you can see it come in. So many people are being made redundant, um, unemployed figures are, are shooting up. And so many of these people are relying on food banks to eat. Well, if you can't afford food, you can't afford sanitary wear usually, yeah. you know. So so there's two aspects really to our um, sanitary wear range. Um, one obviously is, is a, a practical way of supporting people in period poverty, but also the sustainability side at the heart of our textiles project is recycling. But we follow the mantra of reduce, reuse, recycle. So recycle is like the last thing you should need to do. If you can use products that will reduce waste and you can reuse them rather than disposable, then you're having an impact. You know, so it's about getting people to have an impact on the planet in small, easy to manage ways. You know, not everybody's going to suddenly be zero waste overnight. But if you can make little steps and it could be uh, as we do, we're, as we did with the scrubs, um, loads of scrubs were made from old duvets. All of the accessories, headbands and etc. were made from um, a lot of bedding. <laughs> Um, lots of people that really enjoyed having a clear out, um, but also those stashes of fabric that have been in the back of the cupboard for 10 years, you know, pulling them out, putting them to good use. Um, you know, we don't do the same with the mass. Mass are one thing where I insist that we use new fabric because they're on your face. Who wants old bedding on your face unless it's your own obviously if you're making your for yourself so um yeah we we did put that proviso in um but from all of the fabric that was donated for scrubs a lot of it wasn't suitable um you usually because of the colors um you know not everybody wants minions on their, on their scrubs or you know such a pale color that your knickers show through that sort of thing um we've been able to sort of use those fabrics that weren't suitable and actually use those for masks um we had very lucky to have um a donation from a factory that had had to downsize that makes shirts so we got um, boxes and boxes of two meter lengths of cotton poplin it's beautiful fabric <laughs> really lovely um but perfect for masks you know and so the the sort of stuff comes in all the time you know that we can turn around and reuse um yesterday i got a beautiful singer <laughs> sewing machine must be 60 70 years old a hand crank one perfect condition looked beautiful some strange person was going to throw it on the tip um you know they've brought it into me we won't tend to use it day to day but um i do do workshops with community gardens 
who don't have electricity so it means that I can take those along we quite often have children involved in those workshops so it's a really slow easy way for learning to sew um yeah so many positives come out of it really um yeah we've got these lovely people all around the county like who will send messages through oh we found you know somebody else closing down can you get there to pick up this we've been skip diving and all sorts that was a fun day <laughs> for fabrics um yeah it, it, it's it's quite how fun did you, how did you get into this tony it's not sort of every day that's um or maybe you just had the idea one day you'd you'd start all of this. Or so what? What's your background before you? Basically, you just had the idea one day. The crazy woman in the corner. Yeah. Um. I, I, I. My experience over the last thirty odd years has always been, um, businesses or self-employment in some way, um, because I foolishly started my first business when I was twenty-one, um which I've come full circle that we used to um, design and manufacture bespoke um, shirts and menswear. Um, but the problem is, once you've run a business, it makes you quite a hard employee. Um, <laughs> so running my first business so young sort of um, made me realise, I suppose, that there's more to life than being an employee so I've done different businesses over the years um, and in between I've always done a bit of temping which means I, I've become very familiar with all sectors and just office systems and ways of working um, and then immediately prior to this um, I I'd wound up um, an online makeup business. Uh, at one point, I was one of the biggest makeup sellers on eBay, um, but stopped it because it was like being on a treadmill. Um, they kept changing the rules and you'd have to change everything. And, and it was a lot of work for a part-time income. Um, and the kids had got past the stage of me needing to be at home, you know, which is a lot of the reason why I have done businesses over the years, because it's given me that flexibility to work around the kids. Um, but as they were getting older, um, I, I decided to wind it down and I went off temping as I usually do. And um, interestingly, I was doing finance, um, and had got on with the company doing finance and then other people had left and my experience was more events based so a role came up um, within the company with food and drink forum so my first real delve into the third sector actually um, and I became their events and project manager um, so I started to work with a lot of smaller micro businesses across the East Midlands, um, running the food and drink um, market in the city, um, doing lots of um, dissemination training events with the universities and also running the food and drink awards, 
which was fabulous. I so enjoyed that. Um, and then, as is always with funding, starting to get towards the end of the funding. So I got made redundant. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I even said in my sort of exit, um, well, consultancy meetings that aren't really consultancy when they've already decided they're getting rid of you. But anyway, um, I did say, look, no, I've not finished. Look, I'm working with all these um, businesses. And at the time I was putting together um, a distribution project to get these people uh, all the small food people in Nottingham on the train um, directly into London and showcasing them in London and then um, distributing via the train so it was very carbon um, uh, neutral because the trains were all, already running we were using um, electric couriers in London itself um, and it was Oh, I'm still in the middle of all of this. You, you know, can't get rid of me. And they said, you know, we're getting rid of you. And um, luckily, the person that I was working with on the project um, said, well, you can still do it. You can still send people into London. I said, well, I can't because they're doing it. I said, no, no, they can do it as well. Whoever, you know, organizes things and gets it running can have the space sort of thing. Um, so I started looking at, um, okay, rather than looking for a job, do I look at setting up a business again, um, showcasing sort of local businesses? Because uh, it, always it's the one thing all small businesses, small organizations, projects, whoever it is, the one thing they all have in common is how do I find customers? How do I get out there? How do I get seen? Um, so I decided to do that in a more practical way, not sit behind a desk and say, well, look, try this, try that, but actually set up projects that would give them that showcase. And then it's up to you, mate, you know, can you do it? Um, which is, is how we sort of, um, Tiger ended up starting, um, because I, when, uh, when I got made redundant, um, DWP were like oh no you're not entitled to any money and the only way I could get some financial support was to go on the enterprise allowance scheme so I, I start doing that process with a view to setting up a business and everyone kept saying this isn't a business it's a social enterprise because you're not doing you're not profit driven um, and so from thinking I was going to set up a business, I ended up setting up a community enterprise. Um, and sort of Tiger was born out of that. And whilst we were trying to get this dis distribution project going, um, we decided to do Nottingham Street because all of my, the traders that I'd been working with were all saying, Tony, please give us a market that works. So... I sort of had the support of those and, and I wanted to broaden it out so it had a wider appeal. So we decided to do it where we would focus on artisans across the board. So craft people and, you know, designer makers as well as the food. But then if you're giving all those people opportunities, well, what about all of the local projects and things that are running? So let's give them from 
free space to promote themselves and really that's how it started and, and we were going to stay very focused on that but it just became super, such a diplomatic challenge to to get the venue space you know to make it work so um I was, uh, I say, very focused on keeping street running, working with different partners. Um, and I started working with a charity in Colville who were doing a recycle project. Um, they were getting goods from Trading Standards, debranding and reworking it, and then selling what they'd made. And I said, we'll help you with the sales and marketing. You know, we'll, uh, we've got young people helping. So we'll do a, a store for you on Nottingham Street. And we'd looked at getting things like um, pop-up shops and things. And I wasn't getting any traction from them. And I'm like, do you know what? I need some stock if you want me to help you sell it. And they said, well, our tutor's left. <laughs> Don't you know somebody? <laughs> <laughs> who knows how to run um, industrial machines, can do production, do quality control, has worked with young people. Uh, and I went, oh, actually, I can do that. Um, so I started working for those two days a week in between all the street and the community enterprise stuff. And we're really getting some traction on that project. And I loved working with the young people. We were working with alternate provision kids, bit of a challenge, but like balance that with somebody is paying me to sew and paint. This is like dream come true job. Um, and I just got that taste for making again and, and creativity and thought, why did I stop doing this? Um, and then the charity went into liquidation a couple of years ago. And I'm like, can I bring this in-house to Tiger? You know, does it fit with what we do? And it was just, it was another way of bringing opportunities to people, um, particularly young people. Um, but I thought, do you know what? It's got bigger legs. There, there was, the thing with these young people is you'd notice they would calm down. Really therapeutic, just making and sewing and that I made that moment. So you would find that they calm, that their communication skills had improved. But then it was the other, the subtle things, their confidence. You know, when you saw, you know, as their skills build, their confidence just bloomed. And it's like, this has to work for all people in the community why are we restricting this just to alternate provision kids you know um so a lot was going on in my life at the moment and it was a it's it was a crunch point and it was a do i just wind down the community enterprise because nottingham street wasn't running um the the other thing that was working on obviously i'd been made redundant from that because they went into liquidation I had trouble. I, I wanted to take over the project, but there are a few um, politics going on that stopped that happening. And I was like, is it time to call it a day and go and get a real job sort of thing, as a lot of us do. Um, but I, d 
I'm one of those people that if people tell me I can't do something, that makes me more determined. Um, so as soon as they said I couldn't have the connections with um, trading standards and I couldn't take over the project as is, I thought, is there another way of doing it? Um, and because I had worked with um, disability directors, they were, but disability support now, um, around supporting them and giving them free space at Nottingham Street and things. Um, I got in touch with um, Charlotte who runs it and said, look, this is what's happened to me. <laughs> but I think this project has legs. It's, you know, people who are isolated, people who just, you know, want an opportunity to learn some skills and things. I said, and it's that, I said, it's the difference to their confidence. And she, she just said, okay, when can you start? I've got, a, I've got a room where you can run the workshops. We've got some storage space for you. And I'm like, okay. Um, and then also that summer, my mother had died. And um, as a lot of people will find, when you have to clear out all of their belongings, you suddenly find wardrobes full of clothes and a lot of them were new and um, I'd managed to nab an industrial roll of denim from the other project and I, I was like okay this is where we get the free materials from we will take people's secondhand things and we will turn them into something beautiful and new um, so yeah so that's how the textile project started really off the back of that and and it's potted along in its own little way nice and quiet and a little bit of funding here and there we run an activity cafe and we run the community workshops and I do workshops with people who want me to do workshops and also run classes and try and attract funding and we're, it's been bobbing along me myself and I until you know with me with how can I do this and how can I do that and I'm like I can't do it with just me I want to do that and I want and I can't do it with just me how can I bring other people in and then Covid happened and it was like everything started to drop into place because it's such a win-win situation because everybody's you know so it becomes circular we can give more opportunities as we make more and we sell more and that brings money in to make sure we're not so reliant on funding and it just then starts to go round and round. Um, so, yeah, we've sort of beefed up the, um, the board of directors. Um, we have a core of who are Tiger volunteers, the Tiger team, um, that help us out of here. And then we've got the wider volunteer team out in the field. Um, so we just feel like we're really primed and it's like either I go back to pottering or I put my mouth where my money is rather than the money where my mouth is and actually turn Tiger into what I always wanted it to be uh, because I've now got the support around me um, to do that. So, yeah, so that's where we're at really. <laughs> Fantastic. I didn't expect to hear all that. Wonderful. And it's so indicative of how people like us, um, when you realise you can't do everything, doesn't matter who you are, how wonderful you are, how much money you've got, when you have an idea, the idea has legs, doesn't it? 
and the the bigger that you mentioned legs the size of legs and so on so the bigger the legs the greater the the, the challenge but also things once they get going they just roll on don't they and then the, the success just you know build success build success and then the more people that help the more people talk about the more volunteers and so on but it's it, it, but it is a challenge isn't it Ma managing volunteers I know from personal experience is a real challenge because yeah. you can't say um you know you can't lay the law down because they're volunteering on the other hand you need ground rules you need boundaries for everybody so uh, it's, oh, uh, it's more difficult running volunteers in a business we, we've had so much fun through the summer because um they're, they're my team like to say I'm a bit fanatical, and I am. I'm one of these people because um, when I make things, they have to be perfect. So uh, I say I, I, that I have different levels of perfection because I know I can't expect perfection from everyone. So I've always said at workshops and classes, somebody's making for themselves, no matter how bad it is, it will get better. The more you do it, the better it's going to get. And if, you know, if they're making from themselves, it doesn't matter. You know, they'll say to me, oh, look, I've got a wibbly sewing line. And I'll say, who's going to look at it? It doesn't matter. Um, but if I'm making to sell, I want it perfect. The, the biggest um, compliment I got, I think, when I started the textiles project and I was showing people samples is someone said to me, did you make that? And I went, yeah. She went, look, shop bought. I went, that's the response I want. Thank you very much. You know, I don't want it to look handmade. I want it to look professionally made. Um, so that is always the, the top achievement. So I got, I did have a few spells in the summer where I sort of threw my dummy out the pram a little bit because we had volunteers making and some of them were just sending us rubbish. And it was like, you're, you are giving this to somebody. It's a gift. Why would you not want it to be as close to perfect as it could be? You know, why have you sent me stuff? I mean, some of the stuff like covered in blood. You know, they'd not washed the bedding first. You know, um, the seams hardly joined together properly. Um so, some of the contrasting cottons, like never use a contrasting cotton unless you're a perfect sewer. You know, all of these things. And like the guys are saying, the volunteers, got to be careful, got to be careful what you say. Um, and I would be doing video how-tos, hints and tips guides, speaking to people on the phone. And and it, it, it did get a little bit challenging to the point where... <laughs> Even now, what we do is if something comes in and it's really bad, we feed back, please don't do that again. Or, you know, recently somebody hadn't done anything for a while and they sent a load of masks in and they were all made out of um, second-hand duvets. You could tell just looking. And I just went, oh, God, we haven't accepted masks made out of duvets ever. Why have you done that? So we went back and said, thank you very much. Um, we will supply you with fabrics, but please don't use duvets, you know. And we have had some people where they said, but my way is better than yours. And I said, then please 
don't bother because we need consistency you know when we're sending out to you know an order of a hundred scrubs or a hundred masks they need to be consistent not 10 different ways of doing it um and if you can't understand those basic principles thank you but goodbye we have had to be a bit tough with some people but others we literally we collect bags of stuff here because we'll always find someone to give it to but we may give those masks to you know a homeless charity or something but i'm not happy doing that because just because they're a homeless charity and they're desperate, why should we give them the stuff that we wouldn't give to the front line? Um, so it, it is always a balance. Um, and I've already set in my head <laughs> that when we make the reusable sanitary wear, there will be the perfects that get sold because those people are funding what we give away. And then there will be what I'm going to call the wibbly range the wibbly range is where they're not perfect they've not been sewn perfectly you know and we will sell them as such so i've decided that the best way is to use it as a selling point you know these are made with love by volunteers so forgive us if the sewing's yeah. not yeah. perfect great you know, idea great idea you know. So, so, yeah, it's trying to find ways of turning those negatives into a positive without upsetting every volunteer that we've got. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Fantastic. If everybody could do that in life, instead of whinging and moaning about what you haven't got, celebrate what you have got and make the best of, of everything. Absolutely. Well, the, fantastic hearing your yeah. story, Tony. Fantastic. Yeah. I think the other thing with working in, with volunteers as well is that we get the stories back and some of our volunteers in the field have had some real tragedies happen in their lives and in their families over the last few months. And again, every time we get that feedback, obviously, you know, we try and support people as much as possible who are going through crisis um but every time i hear that i also am reminded to count our blessings and be thankful for what we've got um so that helps me to lighten up a little bit you know and also the team that are around me they'll tell me they'll say tony stop shouting you can't you know calm down go 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 away we'll check all of the stuff coming in don't look at it you know and and luckily, we've got uh, um, sort of relationships where we, you know, we are a community enterprise, first and foremost, not a business. So we can have that little bit of flexibility. We don't have to be quite so formal. So it means that everybody gets a voice and I'm not Miss Dictator, you know, laying down the rules with people. So, you know, that I suppose that's why the volunteers are still here <laughs> all these months later and don't want to leave so I whether I like it or not we're gonna have to find a way of making this work this year because I can't get rid of them you know they, they, they just keep rocking up <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, lovely. <laughs> lovely story so so tell us how people can get a hold of you how they can buy your products and um help the Nottingham uh, community to keep them rocking. Yeah. So 
if anybody um, wants to volunteer, if they can sew, even if they can't sew, we have drivers and things who will help um, or people doing cutting and things. Um, easiest way, if it's particularly around scrubs, is to join us on the Nottingham for the Love of Scrubs group. That's where we keep all the scrubs um, sort of information. What do you um, mean by scrubs? I keep meaning to ask this. I'm, I'm imagining so, aprons and, and gloves or something. No? Scrubs are what your doctors, nurses, um, healthcare workers wear. It's the V-necked um, tunic with the trousers. Ah, right. Okay, scrubs are like a um, theatre yeah. wear. So, you know, what you'd see is somebody going into an operating theatre with the trousers and the top. Yeah, that's scrubs. Um and so when we say scrubs and accessories, um, it's scrubs, a big laundry bag. So what would have been happening during like major crisis, if they've been in a COVID area, they would strip off everything goes in the laundry bag and then straight in their washing machine at home so it doesn't cross contaminate with other things. So the laundry bags are quite important. But then as extras, we've done headbands and ear savers because that was the biggest feedback that how sore their ears were getting wearing surgical masks all the time. And then we also make face masks as well. So we give those to um, anybody who's um, public facing, really. Um, so for frontline key workers, just for getting to and from work, um, but also um, vulnerable groups and volunteers who are working with the public. So sort of places like food banks, um, GP surgeries, um, community nurses and respite care are a big one because they fall out of the normal procurement. Um, so, yeah, so the, there's that group, which is a sort of big volunteer group. Um, and that's the Facebook group. Then also on Facebook, you can we have um, the Tiger Community Enterprise page and also a Tiger Green Textiles. So you, we can be contacted through there at any time. But the big one, the actual sales website, is really easy to remember. It's tigercommunitystore.co.uk. And what we have on there is a lot of masks, um, but also different volunteer makes. So the masks are on a buy one, give one, just to remind people that we're a community enterprise and for everything you buy we will give something to the front line but in reality all of the sales from that website um benefit the community enterprise because we're a non-profit so you know any sales help um and just as a little plug we have a naturals range at the moment getting back to our sustainability roots 100 cotton um, apart from elastics and things. So completely sustainable. Um, at end of life, it can go on a uh, compost. Uh, and we have masks with matching drawstring bags, tote bags and um, little zippered makeup bags. And they make beautiful presents because we have bees. Everyone loves the bees. Whales and Alice in Wonderland. So we decided to do a specific range for sale um, that uh, would 
sort of um, be nice as gifts. Um, and the reusable sanitary ware will go on there on the website at some point. Um, at the moment, we have a couple of shops that sell on our behalf. So I think the way it's going at the moment, it will be direct requests and into the shops first before we can get enough stock up on the website for the reusable sanitary ware. But that will definitely be flying in the new year with regard to the community element of it. Wonderful. And that's what I thought I was going to, that's what I thought we were going to be talking that's about. Talking about. <laughs> friends, friends who know me will be horrified to, to hear me um, listening about the mask because I'm a non-believer in masks. And um, however, with what you're doing with the community aspect, you know, there is a need. There, there's lots of people who will wear masks probably forever and a day now, sadly. Um, so, but the way you've done things with the community um, aspect, the volunteering, and put it all together is fabulous. And I'm very happy that you're transitioning to this new thing because masks will stop at some point. So you need to have other ranges. So um, I'm hoping that you'll have, once you build up the, the, the poverty, um, period poverty thing, that will be a major thing for you because it's so needed. Yeah. Um, overseas as well as in this country I mean worldwide it's something that I'd never even thought of um, but it exists isn't it? Well we've been doing some research and a lot of so there's I suppose two elements that we're competing with one that your bigger um, producers like body form etc do give a lot of sanitary products to period poverty which is great on the surface, that's all plastic. Um, <laughs> it doesn't matter if it says cotton light, cotton field, whatever. All of that is plastic. And a statistic did show that a third of, um, a third of the waste that ends up on European beaches is sanitary products, which is... Really? Goodness. So there's that element. And then a lot of those that do like us, you know, buy one, give one, give it to the community are actually sending abroad to India or African countries, um, which is great. And we would support that as well. One of our ladies who um, come, came to our classes learned how to make them so she could get all her WI crew making them for a Kenya project so you know we supported that made sure she'd got the materials and things but there's very few working on period poverty specifically in the UK and none as from what we found so far um, using um, uh, reusables and sustainable sanitary wear they're all giving you know your general plastic sanitary wear away so um, we're hoping that will give us a little bit of an edge to get support um, for what we're doing so we will start with Nottingham and then we will start to branch out um, as much as we can and hopefully it will grow enough that we can do that and then hopefully everyone will get a job and it won't be needed and they can just yeah. make their own for long-term use. But, you know, the world as it is, um, you know, I can't see us having an end to a period of poverty in the very near future. So, no, you know. I agree. Well, very good luck with everything that you're doing. 
um, I've got some contacts I can immediately put you in touch with and um, hopefully oh, listeners yeah. to the podcast will also get their thinking caps on and uh, maybe consider how they can do what you're doing in their area uh, because yeah, it's yeah. definitely needed. Yeah, I mean, I'm always happy to help and talk to people and sort of travel and things, you know, and I am a big believer in collaboration and cooperation. So, you know, working together for the uh, bigger aim um, is good. You know, it, we, we do that quite a bit. We do work with different groups anyway. So excellent. Just remind us of the, the uh, website address again, Tony tigercommunitystore.co.uk and facebook facebook is either tiger community enterprise which is us as a whole tiger green textiles which is our textiles project which will the reusable sanitary wear will be part of that project and then also the group is nottingham for the love of scrubs um, if anybody wants to help and support with that, because we're always fundraising with that to get money for Scrubs Fabric. That's our constant, <laughs> constant thing that we need to top up with. We're still sending out rolls of fabric a week to get Scrubs made up, even after all this time. So, okay, well, whatever that boing was, that, that means that we, uh, says, we're out of time. <laughs> Okay, thank you so much for spending time today explaining what you do, Tony. And let's hope we get some uh, listeners that are inspired by your story. You're fabulous. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for having me and giving me the opportunity. And I'll, I'll share the podcast, cast, uh, podcast out when it goes out. Wonderful. Fabulous. Okay, 